This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. So we spent some time today already talking about uh, the carbon tax and the cost of fuel and all the rest of that stuff. And it's it's all working, as we've said before, to these aspirational goals that we've set for ourselves in this country. We're going to be here by this date, and we're going to be here by this date, and all these things are going to happen. And we've seen that maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves uh, in, in some of these areas, right? <laughs> but one of the things that we've talked about here on the show before, and I think is something we need to keep talking about, is where does nuclear energy fit into this. It's 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 something that we see around the edges. Our province has talked about some small reactors and things like that. But in terms of generating uh, clean energy, this has to be part of the conversation, I think. And somebody who has been working on this file and been pushing it for a very, very long time is Dr. Christopher Kiefer. He is the president of Canadians for Nuclear Energy, and he joins us now. Dr. Kiefer, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Hey, Shay, it's wonderful to be back. So you've got a big day uh, today. You're you're in Ottawa. You're going to be speaking with some of our elected officials. Just tell us what's on the agenda for today. Yeah, so I'm actually on the phone right now from West Block. I'll be speaking to uh, a, a number of members of the Liberal Caucus, as well as uh, the Cabinet Minister, Seamus O'Regan, our Minister of Labour. Um, and then later on, I'll be meeting with... Uh, about 20 conservative MPs as well. And the message is, is pretty similar. You know, um, Christy Freeland, our deputy prime minister, was just down in Washington at the Brookings Institute, and she gave a very interesting talk. And what she said is that Canada needs to fast-track energy and mining projects yeah. uh, in order to help our European allies, you know, to liberate themselves from petro-tyrants, a.k.a. Vladimir Putin. And obviously we need to do that. And she thing that she did was she referenced the Canada-German hydrogen alliance, which is very interesting. I can get into that later. It's it's not a good investment in terms of the energy return. What I'm concerned about is that these good intentions will not uh, apply to nuclear energy. This government's had a very mixed track record on nuclear. And, you know, nuclear offers our European allies not only the ultimate form of energy security, but it is the most effective and proven deep decarbonization technology that we have. Canada is a tier one nuclear nation. We're one of the biggest uranium exporters in the world. So we have a huge opportunity here um, to do the right thing and, and to benefit from it, quite frankly. So the message that you're trying to uh, I mean, is it basically, hey, listen, you're, you're talking about the energy transformation. You're talking about the transitional economy, all this stuff. You need to include this. This is how we can help. Is that basically just trying to, to put it in front of them? Well, listen, I mean, nuclear is the number two source of electricity on our grid. There's been recent life cycle analyses, which include, you know, the mining, the construction, the decommissioning of nuclear plants um, by the UN Economic Commission of Europe. Um, they found nuclear has the lowest CO2 emissions of any source. You know, we decarbonized the Ontario electricity grid using nuclear. Um, it's provided us with enormous clean air benefits. We were able to phase out coal completely off of our grid. Um, which is something that, you know, is very difficult to do. And we have kind of as a counterpoint countries like Germany that have invested over $500 billion in a wind and solar dominant energy transition, hooked themselves up, frankly, like heroin addicts to Russian gas, and as a result, are, are turning to coal burning. They never phased out coal. Coal is the largest source of electricity on their grid. So we have a proven technology, and, you know, that's just the power plants. Canada exports enough uranium domestically and internationally to displace 
230 megatons of emissions. That's one-third of Canada's all-sector CO2 emissions that is offset by our uranium production. So, you know, these are things that are being overlooked. I'm here to bring that uh, to the government and opposition parties' uh, attention um, because, again, this is such a clear win for the climate, uh, for clean air, and for Canada's economic prosperity. You know, Dr. Kiefer, since last time we talked, I think the parameters around this might have changed a little bit in terms of the urgency and, and the fact that it seems like there's a lot more urgency because of what's going on in Europe, as you just mentioned, and they're going back to coal and the rest. How quickly could... Um, we have nuclear stepping in and replacing some of this energy that we're trying to move away from and we're missing right now. Sure. I mean, so Romania is uh, the site of four candy reactors. Two are finished. There's two that are partially finished. Canada could, could step in immediately to assist the Romanians in finishing those last two reactors. That's still going to take several years of work to complete. But the other thing is that Russia is one of the biggest exporters of nuclear fuel. And obviously, the sanctions mean that we should not be supporting that industry. Canada has a huge opportunity here. Uh, Cameco and um, Brookfield Renewables um, have just gone forward with a plan to buy Westinghouse, which is a major nuclear fuel fabricator. And so Canada could really step into the mix here, take that business away from the petro-tyrant Vladimir Putin, um, and, and really run with this and pioneer it. You know, currently... Go ahead. Have you seen a recognition of that among our elected officials? I know you've been working on this for a while. Has their position started to change at all? Again, there's a very contradictory position within the government. There certainly are a number of MPs, particularly in Ontario, where the nuclear supply chain is one of the key drivers of our manufacturing and industry. You know, the beauty about Canadian nuclear technology is all of the innovation that is all Canadian. Our supply chain is 96% made in Canada, which means that for every dollar that we spend on our CANDU nuclear reactor technology, we generate a dollar forty in economic returns and activity. So it's, it's the ultimate form of economic development. It's the ultimate form of energy security. And we have the, the, the bounty to be able to share that with Europe. And Europe is crying out for it. Again, Romania is asking for this. The UK, France, mm-hmm. uh, Poland, uh, ne- Netherlands, all of these countries are dramatically pursuing it. And even Germany, you know, where the policies have been so anti-nuclear. Greta Thunberg just condemned the Germans for uh, prematurely closing their last two nuclear plants. And they have reversed that decision. So, you know, the tide is turning. Um, this is a nuclear renaissance we're in. Canada is uniquely positioned um, to, to ride that wave um, and to be a hero of, you know, a, a clean energy transition based on the most proven technologies that we have. All right. Well, uh, best of luck with uh, the work that you're doing today, and we'll follow up and see how it went. Thanks very much, Doc. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.